morning. It is good to see you. It's cold out there, and you guys were faithful, and you were brave, and you were courageous to come out today. So we thank you for being here. If you're joining for the first time today, we're especially glad that you're here, and we welcome you back. I'm Pastor Ann, and I serve alongside Pastor Andy here at The Way. And we just want you to know that you're always welcome to be back here, to come back here and be a part of what God is doing in and through this community of faith, where he is blessing us up one side and down the other. Amen? Amen. Amen. We are the way Woodstock, where we are committed to sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. Last week, Pastor Andy opened our new series, Get in the Game. And as you can see from the intro video, as well as the props, he started out talking about the game of football, and he introduced us, or introduced it, as a metaphor of how the church is often seen, with a team, that select few, and the rest of those being, being the team, those few that are in leadership being the team, and the rest of the church being the fans. But he didn't just stop there. He went on and he challenged us to rethink that, that nobody, there are no fans in church. There are disciples. And nobody is just a lay person. We are all disciples of Jesus Christ. The church is a team and we have a purpose. Each and every one of us have the same purpose, and that is to make Jesus known to a hurting world. That means that every single one of us have a position to play on the team. Now, it may be that some of us are coaches. It may be that some of us are the quarterback, and some of us are the kicker, and some of us may be the water boy. But we all have a place in the team. And when we discover what our position is, three things happen. Pastor Andy told us this last week. Three things happen. First off, God is glorified. Second off, people are helped. And third, we are fulfilled. Now, for those of you who don't know me very well, I am not, not a good sports fan. Nope. I don't watch football, don't watch basketball, don't watch golf, don't watch soccer. None of those things really appeal to me, okay? So this was a stretch. I've been struggling all week with this message uh, and actually I think I had an enemy who helped with that struggle okay I didn't hear that whatever it was <laughs> I've been struggling yeah probably I have been struggling all week with this message because the the church is not like a game of football it's not just a matter of winning or losing Okay, in the game of football, you've got an opponent, you win or you lose. But guys, this is a matter of life and death. Jesus came to give us life and give it to us abundantly. Sometimes we don't live from that place of abundant life. And we don't live from that place because we have an enemy who doesn't want us to live from that place. Now, there are people out there who don't know Jesus. They don't know the life that he can give. They don't know the strength that he can provide for life struggles. Now, as a follower of him, we are all part of the church, which is called the body of Christ. 
And the world needs to see us each and every day. They need to see us being Jesus to them. Every day and in every situation in which we find ourselves, people need to see Jesus. The early church was known for its love, the love that they demonstrate, demonstrated to one another, and the love that they demonstrated to those that they encountered. May it be the same for this church as we demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ to those that we come in contact with. Okay, now getting back <clears throat> to the football metaphor. In order to be part of the team, we have to gear up. Okay, gearing up to be successful in sports. I had to do my research, guys. Uh, teams have to put in hours and hours of practice. They practice offensive moves. They practice defensive moves. They have to know who their opponent is, who they're playing in the game that they want to win. So they try to learn as much about the opponent as possible. And I will tell you, sometimes I'm going to switch back and forth from opponent to enemy because in football, you have an opponent, and the opponent wants to win. They want to beat you, okay? Well, we have an enemy. I think an enemy is a little worse than an opponent because they want more than winning. They want to kill you. They want you to be done. They, don't want, to, they want to take you out, okay? Well, we have an enemy. They have an enemy. They have to, they have to learn. Sometimes they sit for hours and go over uh, films, who knew, right? <laughs> Football fans knew. They go over films to see what kind of plays their opponents are going to make. So they will know as much as possible about their enemy. Well, I've got some bad news. In our faith walk, we too have an enemy. We have an opponent that is an enemy. And he does want to take us out. Scripture tells us that this opponent or enemy is Satan. And he's often referred to as the devil. There's a spiritual battle that's going on between good and evil all around us every single day. Now, if you have trouble believing that, just look at the world around us. Our enemy is real. There are several things, though, that we need to know about him, the one who wants to take us out. First off, he is an adversary. He is our enemy. 1 Peter 5, 8 reminds us, be alert and sober, of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. <clears throat> Makes you hesitate, doesn't it? He's looking for someone to devour. He wants to devour us. He wants to prevent us from being the face of Jesus to somebody else. He's also an accuser and a liar. John 8, 44, Jesus is talking to some people that he's confronting, and he's saying, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he, lie, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan wants us to believe lies about ourselves. And he wants us also to believe lies about others. Things that are not true. We were all created. Every human being was created in the image of God. Yet Satan sometimes gets hold of people. 
And he tries to make us believe that some of those people who are acting out of his purposes that are under his influence, they, he wants us to believe that they're our enemy. He wants us to remind, he wants to remind us of all the times that we've failed, that we can't be of any use to God. And he wants to convince us that we're not good enough, that nobody could really love us. He wants us to try to get us to see other people, not as our brothers and sisters, but as our enemies. And then last, he is the tempter. He is the one who will uh, try to get you to do things that are against what God wants you to do. He's going to tempt you in all kinds of ways, shapes, and forms throughout life. So we need to always be aware we've got an enemy, and we need to face evil when we see it. We need to realize it is above us, Satan. It is around us. It's in our culture, and it's in our society. And it's also within us, our flesh and our selfish desires. But the good news is, and we have to remember, there is good news, guys. When Jesus began his ministry, he stated these words. This is what he said. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Do you believe the kingdom of God is here? Can be here. We can reach out. We can actually touch it. We can actually see it. With his incarnation, when Jesus was born as a human being, he brought the kingdom of God with him. He brought it near. And we saw God's power demonstrated through him. We saw the kingdom in his actions, as he healed people, as he taught, as he preached, and we saw the power of God, his kingdom, fully coming to, to, to bring Jesus back to life with the resurrection. And that's what he wants to do for us. He wants to bring us back to life, to enter more fully into his kingdom. In the book, Follow the Healers, Stephen Siemens explains the kingdom of God this way, and I love this sentence, so I'm probably going to say it at least twice, so listen closely. The kingdom of God increases and expands whenever and wherever God reigns and God's will is done. Hear it again. The kingdom of God increases and expands Wherever and whenever we allow God's reign in our lives and whenever we do God's will. Now, I worded it a little different that time. But the gist of it is, is we can be part of the expanding of God's kingdom when we allow him to reign in our life and we do his will. The kingdom broke through as Jesus lived his life as God intended all human beings to live. Think about that one for a minute. And it continues to break through every now and then as we allow God to reign in our lives. Now there's more good news. That devil, he was defeated by Jesus when he rose from the dead. We stand in Christ on the victory side of the cross. But we also have to remember that we live in the now and not yet time. That means the kingdom of God has come, but it's not here fully yet. 
Okay, it's not here fully. It breaks through from time to time. We see God's reigning and we see his will being done and the kingdom breaks through. But then when we look around us, we also see where the, day, where the devil rules. We see people who are in addictions. We see people who are doing things that are not God's will. And so that's, the kingdom's not there because God's not reigning there. There's a pastor, Pastor John Stout, says this about the devil, and I think this was a really appropriate quote. For although the devil has been defeated, he has not yet conceded defeat. He's not admitted it yet. He's not, he's not um, what is it? It, it? He just hasn't conceded it. Although he's been overthrown, he's not yet been eliminated. Now, Jesus instructed his disciples, including us, to watch and pray, to wait and to work until the king returns to consummate his kingdom. At that time, when Jesus comes back, the devil will be eliminated and the new kingdom, the heaven will descend and we will be a new place. All creation will be renewed and restored. So what do we do until Jesus comes back? I'm glad you asked. First, we have to acknowledge the fight, we have to prepare for the fight, and we have to always remember that we never, ever, ever, ever give up. And we're to follow the instructions that we were given in James 4, 7. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But how do we resist, you might ask. I'm glad you ask. So we're going to go to today's scripture. We're going to find out how we resist the evil, the devil. We're going to be reading two readings. I'm going to be reading two readings from the book of Ephesians. And the first one tells us a little bit, explains a little bit of what happens when one lives a worldly life. And then what happens when we invite Jesus in to reign in our life? We ask him not to just save us, but we ask him to be our Lord. So let's turn first to the Ephesians 4, verses 19 to 24, and hear the word of God. Having lost all sensitivity... They've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they're full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life that you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were, <clears throat> you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in attitude of your mind, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Our new self, created by God to be like God, in righteousness and holiness. We're to live like Jesus, with his spirit guiding our choices. 
Now, we want to hear a few more details from the Word of God on how we're to do this. So we're going to turn to Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 18, the Word of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Dear most gracious God, we come to you, Lord, and we ask that you open our eyes and open our ears. Help us to see and to know the truth of your word, that we do have an enemy, Lord, but you have defeated him, and that you give us the power to defeat him when we come to you. So, Lord, help us to see clearly, to see where uh, he's trying to get a stranglehold on us so that we can resist and we can turn back to you, and we can stand firm in you. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. Now, going back to our metaphor of the football team, in addition to all the different ways that the players have already prepared for the game, there's another really important step that they have to take before they actually start playing. They have to put on <clears throat> their safety equipment. They have a helmet with thick padding to protect their head. They have pants with pads on their hips and their thighs and their knees and their tailbone. They have shoulder pads. They have shoes with cleats that help them to keep from slipping. And they have a supporter to protect their privates. They have gloves and tape that gives extra support and compression to muscles and joints. And they have a mouth guard to protect their teeth. And then, when they get all that stuff on, they stretch and they warm up. They get ready for the battle that they're going into. And if we want to be prepared to win over our enemy, then we need safety equipment too. In today's scripture, it was referred to as the armor of God. So we're going to take a closer look at each of the pieces of equipment that we're to put on so that we can prepare ourselves when we find ourselves in the battle. The first verse, verse 10, 
said to be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Our strength is not our own. So many times we go about life, and when we have difficulties in life, we just kind of say, okay, i got to pull up my bootstraps, and i got to go take care of this. But we're not to do that. We're to rely on God to help us in the midst of the things that we encounter in this life. We're to recognize that he has a power that is so much greater than what we have. We can become really weighed down with the, the, the troubles and worries of this world. I, I can. My husband loves to watch the news, and it drives me crazy. I tell him sometimes, put your earphones on. I've heard enough. Because it starts to weigh me down. And that's what, that's what the enemy wants us to do. He wants to weigh us down. But as Christians, we have a power that the, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives within us. Amen. Take that in. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead, if you've asked Christ to come and live in your heart, it lives within us. And it can help us to defeat that enemy that we face. It's what enables us to make good choices, to lead to a new way of thinking about things. And that leads us to experience life abundantly. That's so important for us to remember. We are not alone, ever. We have a God who's ready and willing to help us whenever we call on him. Now, we usually call on him and say, Lord, I want you to do this. Right? I, I, I'm guilty. But the important thing we need to remember He's going to work things out in his way, and we need to be okay with that. We need to say, Lord, your will be done. Just help me know your presence is with me through it all. We need to make sure that we take up and we put on the power that God has already given us. The second verse says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against your devil, the devil's schemes. Now, as the Apostle Paul was writing this letter, he was chained to a Roman soldier. So he knew a lot about how the armor was designed to protect the soldier's body from the enemy's weapons. The, the armor he described here is, the, that he describes in this letter, though, is designed to protect our soul. Not our body, but our soul. God has provided everything we need to protect our mind, to protect our heart, to pr protect our soul, our spirit, our conscience, and our will. But we have to put it on, piece by piece, deliberately and thoughtfully. The devil schemes to deceive us or to tempt us to disobey God. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. At all times, we need to remember that our enemies are not other people. Now, Satan might use people to persecute us, to lie to us, to cheat us, to hurt us, and even kill us. But the real enemy is spiritual in nature. Evil exists in our world. Just think. Addictions, the drug trade, drunk driving, 
child abuse, the slave trade, pornography, hate crimes, people killing innocent people. As Christians, we're to wrestle with all this in prayer and in Christian service. Our enemy, the devil, is scheming against us. He doesn't want us to live in peace, and he doesn't want us to live in the love of God. And he does everything he can to take our mind off of God and put it on these horrendous things that are happening in our world around us. Whenever we experience fear, whenever we experience anxiety, doubt, or depression, we can be sure that the enemy's involved. Psalm 9-9 tells us, The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in the time of trouble. When we find ourselves in those difficult times, let the Lord be our refuge, be our shelter. Anytime we forget who we are in Christ, that we have a power that's not our own, it's because the enemy is sowing doubt. It's time that we make sure that we utilize all of the armor. The book of James reminds us of what we're to do. He says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You know, we can have those good thoughts and bad thoughts all at the same time. We are double-minded. We still live in the flesh, even though we're children of God. We have to make decisions not to go after the fleshly way and live by the Spirit. So we have to be aware. We've got to come near to God to do that. Verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Now you might not have noticed that it, it doesn't say if the evil, the day of evil comes. It says when the day of evil comes. It will come. And we need to make sure that we're standing with God, that we're standing in Christ. We might even want to roll up our sleeves and become active in a fight against perversion, pornography, drugs, alcohol, or the trafficking of people. We might want that Christian service to actually be, to get involved in some of those ways of helping to prevent that evil from spreading. Verse 14 tells us to stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Now the belt or girdle held in place the armor that protected the rest of the body, the, the lower part of the body, the seat of the vital organs, and the, the life-creating force. God's truth is essential, essential so that we won't be led astray. We're to study scripture, and the reason we study scripture is not to become an academic uh, genius with being able to quote all this scripture. We want it to sink into our hearts and our minds and our souls so that, it, that we will be filled with the mind and character of God, and we will be filled with his truth. We've got to remember that the enemy is the father of lies. Deception is his business. The breastplate protects our upper, upper vital organs, especially our heart and our lungs. Satan always wants to corrupt our hearts, 
to keep us from living a righteous life and to keep us from doing what's right in God's eyes. Because we're sinners by birth, by nature, by practice, and sometimes by choice, we do sometimes do what is unrighteous and wrong. In the book of Matthew, Jesus explains to his disciples, what goes into a person's mouth is, does not what, is not what defi- defiles them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile him, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Our enemy uses our thoughts to plant evil in our hearts and to keep us in bondage. Yet God gives us his righteous nature as the Holy Spirit lives in it. It's been given to us, folks. The Holy Spirit lives within us. And if we listen, it guides us to live Christ-like lives so that we grow in the likeness of Jesus so the world can know him. Verse 15, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We're to be ready to go and deliver the good news. We were commissioned by Jesus to go into all nations. We need to get ready. We need to get ready to always be ready to be prepared to share with others, the difference Jesus has made in our lives. In addition to all this, take up the field of shape, the field of the shield of faith. I'll get that out there. The shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You know, think about that. Flaming arrows. We have got to have the shield of faith. No God. The Roman shield was big enough to cover the entire body of a Roman soldier. And they were designed so that they could lock together to actually form a wall of iron that would be difficult, that would be almost impossible for anything to to penetrate. Now, our enemy is a master psychologist. He knows all our weaknesses and he knows our strengths. And his goal always is to lead us astray, to lead us away from God, to put our focus on something else. But his darts cannot penetrate the shield of a determined, living, dynamic faith in God. Remember his tactics in the garden? First, he persuaded Eve that God couldn't be trusted. He then led her to question the goodness of God and then convinced, tried to convince her that God's word was not true. These were the same tactics that he used with Jesus in the desert when he was taken out by the Spirit to be tempted by the, right before he went into ministry. But do you remember how Jesus responded? To every single tactic that the devil threw at Jesus, he responded back with the word of God with something from Scripture, demonstrating his complete and full faith in God. The shield of faith helps us rely on God and his goodness in all circumstances. To know that God is always at work, even in the difficulties that we face, 
Even when we're in the midst of what seems like an overwhelming battle, God is at work. Now, we may not see clearly what he's doing, which is a reason we need to pray for insight. He's at work, and knowing that he's at work can bring us peace in those difficult times. Then we're to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The helmet, again, protects our head and our thoughts. Satan would love to undermine our beliefs from Scripture. He wants to force us and to focus on the cares of the world rather than on God and God's call on our life. He wants, to allow, he wants us to allow the world to mold us instead of allowing God's Spirit to lead us. The helmet of salvation helps us to remember the love of God in Jesus Christ. God's grace called each and every one of us to himself that we might know that we are loved beyond measure. We're to fill our minds with thoughts of God's deliverance and his strength. The helmet of salvation is the last piece of armor that's used as a defensive piece of armor. And now we come to our offensive armor. One thing. One offensive armor. One. Must be pretty powerful, right? Who wants to guess? Okay. The sword of the Spirit. Okay. Hebrews 4.12 tells us, For the word of God is active and alive. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word of God is how we go about offense. Just as Jesus replied to the devil with quoting scripture, we too can use the might of the power of God. The, that power that breathed life into each of us to make the devil flee. God's word's powerful. It spoke worlds into being. It made man a living soul, and it quickens our spirit. The word of God gives us direction and power to say no to the ways of the world. And then in verse 18, Paul comes to the very greatest weapon of them all. The word of God combined with prayer. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all God's people. We're to pray in the Spirit, in the Spirit, recognizing that we are communicating with our holy God, communicating with him, not just talking to him, but we're talking to him, but we're also listening for his word to our heart. He's present with us always. And he wants to speak into our lives at all times. We're to pray on all occasions. Pray without ceasing. Our tendency is to pray when we have difficulties in life, right? And we always go, or a lot of us, some of us go to the Lord and say, Lord, would you do this for me? Okay. 
we ask for what we need, and we, we need to ask for what we need sometimes. You know, Jesus says, if you don't ask, you don't, you know, don't receive. But we also need to recognize that God works in ways that are not our ways. And sometimes the things that we want for ourselves are not God's best for us. And so it may not work out exactly like we would like to see it work out, but if we trust God, it will, in the long range, we will see how even things that are really difficult that we would have never chosen for ourselves can lead to goodness and mercy and grace in our lives. Our tendency, we know when we pray for those things, we, we pray when we're in difficulties because we need God's strength, right? And we want, we want to feel his presence, and that's good. There are all kinds of prayers that we use. We use prayers of confession, praise and adoration, petition, intercession, and thanksgiving. And all those praise, those prayers help us to stay centered in Christ. We're to be alert and keep on praying for all of God's people. You know, pray for yourself, pray for somebody else. If any of you have ever been in a difficult situation and you've asked other people to pray for you, you know, I don't know how it works. But when you are in that place and you know you've got a team of people praying for you, somehow it strengthens you because you're being lifted before the throne of God and God hears those prayers. And he can pour into you in a, in a much fuller way when your name's being lifted up by more than one person. So as we lift others to the throne of God, they are spiritually strengthened. Our enemy never gives up. We need to be serious when it comes to our walk with God and our call from God. We can't give up. The Apostle Paul, sitting in prison, is writing letters to encourage the believers in Ephesus. He suffered much. He'd been in prison and repeatedly flogged and beaten as well as stoned. He'd been in danger from the Jews, the Gentiles, and the false Christians. He had known cold and sleepless nights. He'd been hungry and thirsty in de during days. And on top of it all, he was always concerned for the churches that he had helped plant. But he had a purpose, and it's the same purpose we have. That is, to make Jesus known and to encourage one another, to encourage believers to do likewise. He didn't let the enemy put him on the sidelines regarding, regardless of what the world threw at him. He didn't just gear up. He never gave up. And he went about encouraging others to gear up as well. You know, life is difficult. But we have a God who can give us the power to deal with anything that comes our way. Our God provides. Way back in the fifth book of the Bible, we are told. This is from Deuteronomy 4.29, and it's one of my very, 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 very favorite passages of Scripture. But if from there you will seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. But if from there you will seek the Lord, wherever there may be. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Dear most gracious God, may we always, always, Lord, when we feel the heaviness of this world, when we feel the burdens of this world, may we always come back to you and seek your face because you provide what we need to win any battle that we face. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.